Amen and amen. Our fear doesn't stand a chance when we stand in the love of Jesus. Jesus' love is the greatest love of all. And we're going to look at that a little bit today. If you'll go ahead and take your Bibles and open them to the book of Titus chapter 3. As we look today at God's nature, as we've going through our Advent and we've looked at what hope is and what peace is. And to, today I want us to just look at love. And you know, love comes in many forms, in many different words, in many different ways of describing that. But when we're looking at the greatest gift ever given, and we think about the gift of Jesus, then we have to understand that we're looking at Jesus' kind of love. We're looking at the love that changes us and the world around us through his love. Because we also know as believers, the moment we accept Christ, that Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us. And at that moment, God himself is dwelling in us through the Spirit, which means we are full of that love. And God called his people to be separate and to, to be different, and most of that is through our love and how we love those around us. Many of us could stand in here today and say there are some people in my life that I do not want to love. I think all of us could say we could think of someone, some maybe quicker than others. But we understand that the moment we become born again believers, we're no longer ourselves. We've become crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. He changes us, and he comes to dwell in us, and he is love. So we are love, and we are known by our love. No, I'm not standing here telling you that you have to like everyone around you. I'm not here standing telling you that you have to spend time with everyone around you. There are some people that we do need to distance ourselves from. Those people who like to suck the life out of you and drain who you are. We don't have to be around them all the time, but we do have to love them. But I want us to look at, well, what is this love? If I don't have to like them, what is this love? And we have a goal to line up to the love that we're going to talk about. But let me go ahead and fill you in today. We will never, this side of heaven, be able to love fully the way God loves us. But our goal is to strive every day to be more like God. And part of that is his love. An unconditional love. The love of God is a choice it is the agape love. God made a choice before he ever created you that he would love you. And that he would do everything he could to show you that love. Regardless. There are people on this earth, in my opinion, if I was to look at it, which it's not my job to do, and say, well, maybe they don't deserve God's love. You know, regardless if they do or not, because if I'm honest with myself, I don't deserve God's love. But God chose to love us 
regardless. God chose to love the Israelite nation regardless of what they were going to do. God has chosen to love everyone. But just as in a marriage relationship, love is given and love is received. One can love another and the other not love them back. And unfortunately there are many, many in the world today that do not receive the love of God, nor do they love him back. But the birth of Christ, what Christmas is all about, if we were to take out all the beautiful poinsettias, all the candles, all the Christmas trees, all the gifts, if everything was gone, it's about the birth of Jesus Christ and nothing else. And we get love through that. So if you would, let's stand together. If you would stand with me as we look at Titus chapter 3. I'll be beginning in verse 3. For we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, Hating one another. But. Don't you love the buts in the Bible? But. When the kindness of God our Savior. And his love. For mankind appeared. He saved us. Not on the basis of deeds. Which we have done in righteousness. But according to his mercy. By the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Christ Jesus our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy statement. And concerning these things, I want you to speak confidently so that those who have believed God will be careful to engage in good deeds. These things are good and profitable for men. Father God, thank you so much today, Lord, for your word. Father, we thank you for the birth of your son that we celebrate this time of year, Lord, as we remember that, as we prepare ourselves to be stewards and tabernacles and houses, Lord, temples of your son through the Holy Spirit. Father, would you help us to hear you? Lord God, would you allow me to step aside? And Father, I just pray that you would fill me now with Holy Spirit, that you may speak through me. Father God, I just pray everything in the precious, most holy name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Looking at God's nature, I want us to look at three parts of that nature, and it all revolves around the middle one that we're going to look at. But first of all, we need to look in this scripture, we see the word kindness, God's kindness is the first thing of his nature. If you notice there on your bulletin on the front, it talks about God's gift. It talks about his son and his nature. That's what we received through his son. You know, God could have chosen any way he wanted to, to allow our salvation to happen. He knew that there was a perfect way, and that was through his son. And he sent his son 
also as a revelation to us. It gives us a grander picture of who God is. God wanted us to understand in a way that we would, so he sent his son to become human and to live a life just as we live it. It's hard for me to fathom sometimes, church, to be honest with you, that God himself, his son, come and lived in flesh just like we do. He was tempted, but yet he lived a perfect life. All because he wanted to show his love. He came to give us a picture of who the Father was. But in the fleshly sense that we would understand it. There at verse 4 it says, But when the kindness of our Savior come. Part of God's nature is kindness. And you know we see kindness all throughout scripture. Over in the Old Testament we see um, King David. If you remember before he was king there was who? King Saul. When King Saul was out and David came in, David wanted to show kindness. Even though Saul did nothing to deserve it, all Saul did was hunt David down, try to destroy the friendship between him and Saul's son. But David, being a righteous man, was going to still show honor and respect. You remember a gentleman by the name of Mephibosheth? Mephibosheth he was a crippled man turn with me if you would to 2 Samuel chapter 9 as we get a very good picture of this kindness and what all this kindness entails 2 Samuel chapter 9 beginning in verse 1 then David said is there yet anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. Now there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. And they called him to David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. The king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is a son of Jonathan who is crippled in both feet. So the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Behold, he is in the house of Michar, the son of Emil of Lodabar. Then king David sent and brought him from the house of Michar, the son of Emil from Lodabar. Meshibotheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and prostrated himself. And David said, Meshibosheth, and he said, here is your servant. David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show kindness to you for the sake of your father Jonathan, and will restore to you all the land of your grandfather Saul, and you shall eat at my table regularly. Again he prostrated himself and said, What is your servant that you should regard a dead dog like me? David, King David, owed Jonathan, really nothing. He owned King Saul, nothing. But David wanted to show the kindness of God. 
Him, David, and Jonathan had a, a great relationship that King Saul did not like and he wanted to care for him. But what do we see? We see a lot more than just a new king stepping in and showing some kindness because of something he wants to do. If you notice there in the scripture it said, the, the kindness of God I want to show. It was very common when a new king took over, then any of the old king's family would be annihilated. Just get right, I mean, you know, even up through the centuries, when you take over, you got rid of those who were before you. You wanted no one left who could rise up through the rank. So really, if David would have done probably what was common, he would have brought him in and killed him. But he didn't. He showed him kindness. Not only did he allow him to live, but he said, you're going to eat at my table, the king's table. Basically, you're going to come in regularly as my own child and eat from the table of the king. He also wanted to restore to him, to give everything that had belonged to King Saul to this grandson, he restored him. Have you heard any words that maybe ring a bell with you? We don't deserve anything. We deserve death. We deserve separation. But because of God's kindness, he provided a way through his son to restore to us See, when God creates us, we're, we're created perfect and then we sin and that sin entered in and separates. When God created the world, originally it was perfect. But God wants to show people his kindness and because of that we get the kindness of God through Jesus Christ who died on the cross that then did what? It restored us to him. And there's coming a day that we will regularly dine at the king's table. Amen. What kindness God has. All we've done in our human nature, in our human flesh, is to turn against God. And all of God's nature, in his kindness, is to restore us. I see myself a lot in, in this young man. Because when he came before the king, what did he do? He didn't just bow his head. He didn't just get down on a knee before the king. He prostrated himself. He laid totally out in humble submission before the king with the right to die. And the king restored him. And he was so grateful that again he prostrated before him. But look at those last words. What is your servant? That you should regard a dead dog like me. Maybe I could say the same thing to God. Who am I that you would regard enough kindness for me to kill your own son? But God's kindness is different than ours. The gift that we were given through the birth of Jesus comes as that kindness of God. And that is wrapped up in the second thing, God's love. 
The pink candle that we lit today, representing love, we associate pink with, with love. I, I said, well, what is it if I was to get on the computer and I would begin to type in the word love, what would come up? Valentine's Day was the number one thing that popped up. And then there was a website that gave this kind of definition or article of love. It said... Love is complex. A mix of emotions, behaviors, and beliefs associated with strong feelings of affection, protectiveness, warmth, and a respect for another person. Love can also be used to apply to non-human animals, to principles, and to religious beliefs. For example, a person might say he or she loves his or her dog, loves freedom, or loves God. The religious part kind of come in there probably as an added note toward the bottom there. A mix of emotions, behaviors, and beliefs associated with strong feeling. Most of us would probably come up with a definition similar to that if we were to describe love. Because we look at love from our wonderful human eyes. We look at love from what we've been taught. But the love that we got in the greatest gift, the birth of Jesus, is not that kind of love. Why it may have aspects of that, emotions, behaviors, and strong feelings of affection are off of the table when it's an agape love because God chose to love us regardless all of these other things, if you love me, I'll love you. Let's get married, walk the aisle, make some vows, and when you stop loving me, I'm done and I'm gone. You know, I would say you could look at the statistics of marriage and divorce, and divorce has been on the rise, but a lot of people will tell you today that divorce is no longer on the rise. When you look at the statistics, they can prove their point. Do you know why? Because people just ain't getting married these days. Most of them are just living together. Why are they just living together? Because they don't want a commitment. They want to, whenever it's at their whim and they're ready, they can just leave. It's not true love. True love is represented through Jesus Christ. God created us. We turned our back on God and he says, I still love you. There is nothing you can do to stop God from loving you. Amen. I am so glad of that. And he said, I'm going to show it enough that I'm going to take my own son, even while we were enemies with him and crucified him, so that he could be our Savior. That verses, our verses back there in Titus had mentioned that when he appeared, when Christ came, turn back there to Titus chapter 3 verse 4. But when the kindness of our God and Savior and his love for mankind appeared, when the appointed time came and Jesus appeared on the face of the earth, he was born for the purpose to show love and to show kindness. But who is this? How do we describe that best? How about looking at what the writer of 1 John 4 
had to say. 1 John 4, beginning in verse 7. He said, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us. Here it is again. That God sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the appropriation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved, we also ought to love one another. God is love. Definition for love, God. You look at God, and you look at God's nature, you have a picture of what perfect love is. Many of us in here have been hurt by love. Many of us have been hurt in one way or another through someone who claimed they loved us. And that taints our description of love. Because then when we hear that God loves us, we look through the glasses of what love is to us. And it makes it very hard and very difficult. I want to tell you, if you're in that position, God's love is perfect. It's not the same kind of love that we have experienced. It is so perfect, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. When you look at God's love, God's love is not taking. God's love is not hurting. God's love is not crippling. God's love is not abuse. God's love is giving. 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 Regardless. God is love. We also have in God's nature, God's mercy. And I, I love this one too. All of these are so great, they're all wrapped up in that love. But mercy, maybe define this way. Mercy and compassion denote care, concern, and empathetic feelings for another person. In the Bible, mercy and compassion are most perfectly demonstrated and characterized by God's own merciful and loving care for his people. And in particular, by the gift of mercy through Jesus Christ. God has mercy. God has the right to punish everyone. God said, here's the law in the Old Testament. Match up to it or not. But God gave them an option through their faith. We get to love today and God says, you have to accept my son. Because you sin in your life. You can't live perfect. None of us can. You could do everything your entire life right. Sin one time. And we've fallen short. But because of God's mercy and his love. We see this that back there in Titus chapter 3 verse 5. He saved us. Not on the basis of deeds. 
which we have done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing and regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. I want you to take just a moment. Many of you have heard the name Charles Spurgeon. Take just a few seconds and listen to this. God's mercy is so great that you may sooner drain the sea of its water or deprive the sun of its light or make space too narrow than diminish the great mercy of God. God's mercy is limitless. It goes beyond what we can imagine. It goes beyond what we deserve. But it's God's mercy. Let me share it with you another way of something that I read online. It says, in the dictionary, grace is defined as courteous goodwill. Meaning, it's not asked for nor deserved, but is freely given. Mercy, on the other hand, is the compassion and kindness shown to someone who it is in one's power to punish or harm. It is, in fact, meant to relieve someone of their suffering. The mercy of God given in the manger through the birth of Jesus brought hope brought peace brought love part of that is mercy God shows us every day mercy most of the times you see that grace and mercy together but mercy to relieve someone's suffering you know God relieves our suffering in many ways first way most prominent way he relieves us of the suffering of death and hell in condemnation of separation from him forever. The moment we accept Jesus Christ. But God shows us mercy in our everyday life that when Christ comes to dwell in us through the Holy Spirit at the moment of our salvation, we get a hope and a peace and a love to live in this world. We are suffering today. Our bodies are dying just because there is sin in the world and we age we're suffering because of relationships. We're suffering because of things going on in our nation and around the world. We're suffering because we don't understand what's going to happen with the election. There's mercy that God can step in and he can relieve that with the hope of knowing that we have a God who loves us. You know, if we were to live by godly principles, America would not be where it is today. If there were not cheating in the election, we would not be still up in the air of who's going to... We would know one way or the other who it was. If there was not hate and killing in the world, you wouldn't turn on your news and see nightly murders going on around. If we were to live according to godly principles, there would be a lot of love in this world. But because we're not, we need to see a lot of mercy. And God shows his mercy. I can only imagine in my mind what this world would be like today if God was not showing any mercy. As bad as we see it today. But you know, this all came 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born. But do you know more than that? It was there before then. God's nature 
of kindness and love and mercy were before time ever began. God knew for all eternity how this world would be. And yet he still loved us enough to create us. And to create us with our own will. You know, I was thinking just this morning when I was getting ready. I can't even fathom a God who loves like that. A God who knew that I would turn against him from the beginning. Still created the world. Knowing that he was going to have to send his son to die for me. I would have done it differently. But God wanted us to love him. Not be forced. So he chose to create us in his image with a free will. And a choice. Knowing though that we would fall off the course. But yet his love was so grand that he said, I'm going to send my son and he's going to die on the cross. Oftentimes when we think about that death on the cross, and I know we're not at Easter time here, but a lot of times we think about that death on the cross and we, we see that Jesus is hung up there and we understand that Jesus was God. Would we all agree with that? Amen? But do we stop to think that Jesus was also human. He felt the 39 lashes. He felt the crown of thorns beat into his head. He felt the nails driven in his hands. Just as you and I would. He felt hanging there exposed before the world all of the ridicule, the laugh. Can you imagine being God and having the power? As they said, if you're God, save yourself, call for the angels. He could have done it. But he sat there and agonized until he died. Because of his love for us. Because if he would have come off one second, one millisecond before he died, the price would not have been paid and we wouldn't be here today. That's God's nature. Kindness. Love. Mercy. He wants to give us that mercy. He has the right to do whatever he wants to do. And he says it's love and it's mercy. So we see that in the Old Testament. We see that God is kind through the undeserving gift there to Mephibosheth when he said like a dog, a dead dog we are sin wrecked wretched lives before Christ's kindness shows up Christ's love through God came in a manger as he appeared for us so that we may have mercy so when you think of Christmas Think of hope. When you see purple, think of hope and peace. 
When you see candles, think of Christ. When you see pink, think of the love of what God's given. We see the red, the blood, the white, the purity, everlasting life, so much symbolism. Think about that. But most of all, think about God's nature through the greatest gift given through His Son, Jesus. May you bow your heads.